The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Darren Fessler is joining us with Lakefront Futures. And Darren, I am so happy to say, not only that it's a Friday, but the soybeans had green on the screen. So we're going to get something. I mean, thunderstorms, snow, I mean, I don't know what, but it was nice to end the week after the way it's been for the soybeans on a positive note. Yeah, I mean, that. this has been one heck of a sell-off, and as I was mentioning to you uh, in my commentary, it says I, I haven't seen this type of sell-off in beans, and if ever, I don't think. I mean, we're, we're, we touched 10-year lows this week. Yeah, very refreshing. Even though we're well off those highs, but you know, to be up almost 15 cents a day—that's that's really encouraging. And you, you look at where we are in the in, in the marketing year as far as the beans are concerned. We got uh, extremely, extremely oversold. There's a heck of a lot of value at these levels, and not to mention we are a long ways from making this bean crop. And the critical month of August is just just ahead. You know, so many people have said that, you know, just as a reminder, we, we're not making beans yet in the month of June, but we've got to get through July and August with this crop, like you said. Yeah, I mean, we're, this this crop is still going to face a lot of headwinds. I mean, Mother Nature can throw anything she wants at it. I mean, I know we have the, the good uh, sea technologies of weather, a lot of storms, a lot of pain, you know, but... Uh, you know, August could be the difference between 15, 20 bushel in your crop. And if you're looking at a national average, let's just say punch in 45, 44 bushel an acre, which is very possible if you have a rough August. And uh, you're looking at a whole different ball game when it comes to the bean carryout number. And, you know, at these levels, they are going to find some value buyers come in here. Um, at least they should anyway, because like these levels down here, uh, Brazil can't meet the, all the Chinese deme- uh, demand, and the, the people around the world are still going to eat. I mean, the, these fundamentals are not really changing. We do have that perspective um, acreage number out next Friday. Um, could that change up some things? Sure, it can. But I still think I think a lot of the bearishness has been beat in here, uh, been been put in here, and they've been beating it up so much that the boat's been leaning way too hard in the wrong direction here. You know, we haven't heard a lot of talk. We we touched on it briefly um, earlier this week. All the logistics. You talked about Brazil trying to meet the demand for China. But let's just throw in the fact that their trucker strike has gotten quite interesting as of late. Yes, it has. I mean, that, that that's another caveat about this whole, whole bean market. I mean, regardless if it's Brazil or the United States, there's demand for these products. And... You know, this trucker strike goes goes on for, for a prolonged amount of time. And, you know, Argentina, they've had a really rough season with their growing. Where is the world going to turn for their supply? I mean, there's only so many bean players in the world that the, that they're going to buy from China. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be the United States. Regardless where these beans are coming from, we're going to be shipping these beans and we're going to be shipping this corn. You know, I almost wonder if there'll be some backdoor buying shall we say where China calls and says to another country hey I need you to buy me some beans because I can't trade with the United States right now so could you just go make the purchase for me and we'll pay you for them yeah I, I, there, that's been the talk of talk of the street for a long time and it goes back to the fact that they're going to get the beans 
and you look at the demand for corn, it, it's off the chart. South Korea is buying corn hand over fist at, at, at these prices. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there is a lot of value here. There's no reason why uh, anybody would want to try to sell this thing off anymore from here. I did see, and you mentioned the corn, USDA making that announcement today, 131,000 metric tons of corn. That goes to Mexico, 117,000 go to Panama. It's been kind of quiet with those export numbers, and nice to see some some decent purchases coming from folks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see these. You're going to see these type of purchases when you, you, when you get these type of prices. These are value-type buyers. They're looking for deals. And right now, given the marketing year and with the unknowns ahead of the, uh, the next two to three weeks is a critical stage for this crop. Uh, anything can happen. And I think the market is probably going to put in some premium, uh, some risk premium due to those uncertainties. Even with the uncertainties with the trade issues, I think a lot of that's been priced in here. Now they're probably going to start pricing the, the weather more so now that the July options are off the board. And if we look at what happened to de- December 17 last year when we had this big drop and July options came off the board last year, this market actually found some traction and moved higher. So I hopefully in a nutshell that we, we, we see the same type of movement this year, but uh, it, it would give them all the more reason to, I think, going into this year with the, with the reduced acres on the beans and the corn. Just a lot, a lot of uncertainties going ahead here when, when we turn a calendar to July and this thing starts tasseling and pollinating. Darren, we saw. Um, I was in Kansas yesterday and and saw some wheat fields, some gorgeous wheat fields. But as one guy said to me, the wheat may be beautiful, but the yield isn't there. Yeah, I mean, you got it's more making more hay than it is actual wheat, and and that's the struggle Kansas has had this. You know, <laughs> the the whole winter and and going in the spring, they just they couldn't buy the rains at the right time, and and where there is some. Like you said, some pretty decently good-looking wheat fields. It's just the yields just aren't there in spots. They are better than uh, what had been anticipated. But you get to that southwest part of Kansas, and it is a really rough part of the state. I mean, it, they tremendously low wheat yields, but the, they're at the epicenter of the dryness over the last six months. And globally, the concern still continues to be with Russia. Yeah, Russia. You look at Russia, Australia. There's parts of Ukraine that are having some dryness issues. Russia's already downgraded that wheat crop. And so really, that is, that's exactly what the U.S. wheat producer needs right now is we need to have some issues elsewhere around the world because we do have a lot of supply. And uh, if we can start having some issues in these other parts of the world, it, it hopefully this wheat market gains some further traction. I know we've been beat up there as well. Uh, and there is some some good positive things happening in, in that Kansas City market if we can start taking out some of these moving averages. And- Stick around, folks. We do have more of the fell coming up, looking into the future in the next couple of weeks, and a look at the livestock as well, right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're Darren Fessler joining us with Lakefront Futures. We look at the happenings, uh, Darren, of, these, of this market. And as we looked back over the week, we have to look forward. And I want to know with corn, first of all, what are some things that we really need to be looking at over the next couple of weeks? Well, we're, we're, the trade's really going to be focusing on how this thing gets tasseled out, how, how it starts to pollinate. Do we get to this warm overnight temps that some uh, meteorologists are talking about? Do we get these excessive daytime daytime temperatures? There is parts of the country that have, they don't want any more rain at this point. There's more rain on the forecast over the next couple of days, but that should move out off and these conditions start to dry. 
how will that impact some and the region i'm talking about there is excessive rains in northern iowa and good good production up there how do those rains do they impact those uh yields because i have a lot of customers up there that they cannot get side dressed so that that is probably going to have an impact but the larger scale we're off to a good start does the weather change this? I think if you take a look at what's happening in local basis levels, that these, these ethanol plants were using this corn, they're really strengthening that basis up. Do we get enough momentum in the market to get producers to sell this crop? And do we start taking out some higher levels on the upside? And I'm talking on these corn here, do we get above that 380 level? Uh, if we get above 380, this thing can gather some legs and work its way to closer to that $394 mark. But we're going to have to take out these moving down. Averages. We're going to have to see some traction build here, or you know, the, you know, you get some more rains right when this thing needs it. I think the bears are probably going to not view friendly uh, th- that type of uh, that type of weather system. But I- I'm anticipating that the funds here are uh, very, very short corn and, and beans here. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the boat is leaning very heavy on both of these crops. So, you know, if we run into some, any type of hiccups, I, I would say that that thing is, uh, leaning a little bit too hard in one direction right now. Is there some nervousness, some anticipation? We've got the perspective planning report due out a week from today. Yeah, I think that there is going to be a little bit of nervousness. There's always kind of, there was always that type of, uh, reaction when you get, when you get to some of these bigger type reports but you know even if you do come up with a slightly more corn uh i don't know if you're going to really scare the market all that much given how much we've already taken off on the off on this and and this is probably going to be the same type of reaction when you get to the beans unless you get a really shocker of a number on these beans i don't know what else you're going to price in here because you still got to you still got to make this bean crop in august and if there's any type of hiccups and you, you start looking at a five to seven bushel decrease on a national level, which is very, very possible in August alone, uh, you're really going to change that carryout number drastically from the U.S. standpoint. And you look at the world carryout for the corn, we're, we're using this corn uh, like crazy right now. And we, we, last report, we, we declined that by four and a half million metric tons. So, like I said, value, value, uh, value levels down here and both on this corn and soy. Well, if we look at the livestock side of the trade, you can guarantee that cattle market is closely watching what's happening in the grain complex. Oh, 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 yeah, they they for sure are. Uh, we heard some one ten trade today out of Texas, and you know it's with the cattle. It, it just last you know few weeks, almost a month now. We've just been extremely range bound. I, I think cattle is it's really in a comfort spot right here. I mean it's just from a purely technical standpoint looking at the August fats, unless you get a close above the hundred day moving average, you've got to assume that that's probably going to act as resistance and that hundred day is going to be right around a one oh six sixty, one oh six sixty five. And that's kind of where we found resistance again. We've been finding resistance there for the last few days. And you know, we have had a nice run here since the mid May time frame. So producers looking to looking to move some cattle or at least looking to put some hedge on place now is probably the proper time to do so when we're trying to find resistance or at least finding resistance right now at the 100 day are we trying to find some sort of direction some excitement headed into the fourth of july to maybe get that demand to pick up for both cattle and hogs I, I sure I sure hope so. Hogs have been beat up tremendously so far over the last couple of weeks, and I think there's good demand here. I mean, as we go back, we look at the overall structure of the meat complex. 
the cattle remain very neutral. Hogs have been beat up. I think there's some value plays being bought here, and it's pretty soon here I should be in some of this hog complex because uh, we're about 5 $6 off those recent highs. And so all in all, I mean, we got to look for some support here in hogs, but uh, the, the overall overall structure of it is still relatively neutral minus the hogs here that just have have a hard time gathering any momentum here. So, Darren, how do we get that support that we need for the hogs to take place? I, yeah, I think the biggest key thing here is we need to have some cool heads prevail in D.C. and China and, and take out some of this headline risk. Now, uh, once we start doing that, I think this overall, the ag side of things for sure, is going to start calming down some of that fear that we're never going to sell any of our products again and the world's never going to eat. We're, we're going to calm all those fears. We're going to calm the fears of the market. For uh, folks to be able to reach you, Darren, to talk more about these markets. Yes, they can reach me directly at 402-366-0423. They can find me on Twitter at DDF Alpha, and they can always visit us at lakefrontfutures.com. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.